It's a magic show, Emily. If you like magic, I guarantee you will enjoy the show. Okay. If you do not like magic, you will hate the show. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. I'm at London King's Cross at 7 in the morning on Friday the 3rd of August and I'm just about to set off to the Edinburgh Festival. This is a GBA road trip. Today we're getting better acquainted with the Edinburgh Festival. Last year I did a, a, a Getting Better Acquainted Edinburgh Festival special. It's still worth a listen actually. I don't think it's dated particularly even though it's got some reviews in it for the shows that were out at the time. Some of those shows are going to be out again this year. And the rest of the stuff apart from the reviews is still very relevant. There's a lot of uh, my memories of going up to the festival and some experiences that I had and some stories of some people I went down with. Last year I went down as part of a stag do and I recorded that experience and did reviews of shows and stuff but it was a very strange experience for me it was me and a large group of men which is not something that happens to me very often well this is like the polar opposite this year I'm going down basically on my own I'm going to see quite a lot of people but I'm sort of moving between those those groups and those places and it's kind of me on my own nobody else with me last year I went down as an audience member really that was all I was I was a person going to see some shows as part of a stag weekend whereas this time I'm going down as a I guess a performer or somebody involved with the performers that are going to be there I'm performing a true story at Spark London's Edinburgh show tomorrow on the 4th of August this will come out after that this will come out a week after that so you can't see me perform now but you can still go to see the Spark True Stories night. It's Grant's True Tales Presents Spark London Storytelling. And it's on at 5.30pm every day at Riddles Court. And I think it costs £8 to get in. You get two free whiskey cocktails with your ticket. And it'll be people telling true stories. It's the best of Spark from London who are going up. Some really great storytellers. So I really can recommend that show. Not just because I work with Spark and perform with Spark, but also because I really think it's a, a great night. Good evening, everybody, and welcome. My name is Radcliffe Royds, and I'm here with Spark London. We are a guest of Grant's True Tales. Let me tell you a little bit about what Spark London is and does. We are a collection of people that tell true stories in a celebrity-obsessed global world where everybody kind of is in touch with Twitter here and they're Facebooking there. We very often lose some of that human connection. And what Spark has done, and we started this in December 2007, the essence of what we do is we, we bring you real people telling real stories about their lives. Stories that you will identify with or not, but every one of them will touch some part of you. It gives me great pleasure to open up the second half of, of our show with the motivation, the spirit, 
the very Bodicea of Spark London. The woman that has the most ruthless editing pen in the world, who came up with this ridiculous notion that a good story should be within 10 minutes. All mine were about an hour. I've learned. Please welcome to the stage the very lovely Joanna Yates. Nailed to the wall in my dad's workshop, nestled among the pieces of wood and the metal, and thick with that atmosphere of, kind of oily smell, there is a packet of Dunhill cigarettes. It's got on the outside written in permanent pen, which has faded over the years, 1985, April. And if you were to look inside, there is one cigarette left. And that was the last packet of cigarettes that my dad bought. It was the last 19 cigarettes that he ever smoked. And the one remaining is still there to this day. He's someone I'd describe as having an iron will. And there's not a lot that will get in his way. Now, my other memory of my dad, of being young with my dad, is of the hooks in our hallway. And the, the hook that was closest that I could reach had a scarf on it. And the scarf was made of wool. And it was very, very long. And it would reach down onto the floor. And occasionally I'd go over and I'd touch it and I'd pull it off. I'd wrap it around my neck at least four times. And even then it would still be draggling down by my ankles. And it was really rough kind of wool. It wasn't particularly soft or gentle. It was quite rough. And it was, it was grey with bits of brown in it as well. And every morning that scarf would leave the peg. It would go round my dad's neck at least twice. And it would go with him in the car and they would drive to Hereford, which was the town where my dad worked. Now, he worked in a place called Sun Valley, which is a chicken manufacturing plant, effectively. He was an engineer, and he worked there. And he would return at the end of the day, and he would tell me the stories of what he'd been up to at work, and the people that he met, and the crazy machines that he had to fix and that he had to make. And I would love hearing all of these stories of this place that was away from us and our family, that had all of these things that were happening in it. But then I remember one day that the scarf stayed on the hook and my dad stayed upstairs. And then that happened for a second day and then the third day. And when I saw him around the house, his face was not the same as it used to be. The colour in his cheeks was much paler. His eyes were nowhere near as bright and as sparkly as they'd ever been. And days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months. And although he didn't get any worse, he didn't get any better either. And I really missed that sense of him going out into the world, going off to this place, this chicken place, that's all I knew of it, and bringing back tales and examples and things that were going on out there. So I felt like whatever it was that had taken the colour out of his cheeks and the sparkle out of his eye had also taken him away from me. And when I was about 17... I decided to leave home. It was too much living in the countryside, which is where we were. I wanted to know where the people were. So I took myself to London. And shortly after finding the important things, somewhere to live, something to do, someone, something to earn me some money, I decided to buy a car. And I got a Volkswagen Beetle, which I bought for £300. It didn't have an engine. It had wings of various different colours, all the little metal bits. One was red, one was yellow, one was black. And once I got an engine put on it, and crucially the other feature of this car was that it was a convertible. 
But it wasn't the original convertible, as in it hadn't come out the factory convertible. Someone had quite fancied having the roof off, so they literally just sawed it off all the way around the outside. (laughs) They hadn't even reinforced the car particularly. But they had very generously provided a roof of sorts, literally. And it it had poppers around the outside and makeshift windows made of plastic. And it worked enough. And I, and I got used to the fact that I would get in the car and the breeze would come through various different holes in the car. And driving home late at night when it was cold, frequently I'd scrape ice off the inside of the windscreen, which was all, it was all part of the course. But one thing that did really distress me was when it rained, because it really wasn't waterproof. And it got worse because the seam that held in the rear window which obviously wasn't glass, it was plastic, um, had gone a bit green where water had got into the stitches. And after it went a bit green, I noticed that it started to come a little bit unpicked. And after it became unpicked, I'd go out every now and again and the window would no longer be sort of where you'd expect it, but it would be facing inwards, which meant that the enormous amount of rain that had come out of the sky that summer was coming directly out of the sky and into my car. And this caused me a lot of concern and I would go out there every day and I'd tape it up with duct tape or gaffer tape whatever you call it and every morning I'd get back and it was back folded in with the water going directly into the car and one day in particular I was like enough I can't bear it anymore I have to go and sort this out so there is something about my dad which just says security in all things practical which is he can fix anything you don't have a workshop full of wood and bits of metal and tools and the smell of oil unless you are immensely practical and he is definitely all of those things so I got in the car about nine o'clock at night and decided to drive from London to Herefordshire it's about 300 miles approximately so I'm in position I'm driving up the A40 got one hand on the steering wheel I've got the other hand holding the flap of the roof down which is a very important part of keeping it all intact I'm driving along and the A40 is single carriageway coming the other way is a lorry so I buckle down for the impact of the wind which is about to come my way and it comes and it rips the roof out of my hand and off the entire car and it flies backwards into the darkness leaving me wide-eyed and wind flying in my face so I draw over onto the curb and it is look behind it is pitch dark I mean the kind of darkness that city dwellers like me just don't even see pitch dark so I stop and I get out walk along the edge of the curb and I can't see it because darkness black roof anyway it turns out that it's like down there somewhere in in the ditch next to the sort of muddy puddle and just in front of the hedge so I go down and I fetch it I scurry back to my car and I try to put it back on as quickly as I can, hoping that if I can put it all back on really fast, I can pretend that the whole thing didn't happen and I can just quickly make my way home. But unfortunately, the force with which it was ripped off the car meant that quite a few of the poppers that originally had held the roof on were no longer there anymore. So it wasn't going to go back on the car. So I put it in the back seat, got back in the car, drove the next hour, arrived home, parked outside the kitchen. That hour was spent driving with one hand on the steering wheel and the other one underneath my bottom to stop me from getting cold all the way there. The next morning I woke up, my mum looks at the car without the roof. She's like, what happened to the roof? And she's looking worried and I tell her the story. She looks more worried. My dad looks at me and he's like, let's go and have a look at this car. So we go outside and he, the first thing he does is open the door and he lifts up the carpet underneath where my feet would be when I was using the pedals. And I'm thinking, God, I wonder why he would look there, first of all. It didn't take a, a particularly honed engineering mind to know that I had a serious problem when you can see directly through the floor of your car 
to the tarmac that is sitting underneath. It was perforated, literally, all the way across the floor. So now I knew why, when I got in that car, having all that water of that summer gone, why it was completely bone dry inside, because it had gone straight in the roof, onto the floor, and out onto the ground. So again, he looked at me, and I... I was looking a little bit worried at this point and I felt very reassured when he said, look, take it up to the garage, park it over the pit. He has a pit, literally, where you like look underneath the cars. And he said, we'll, we'll see what we can do about this. For the next five weeks, my dad and I scraped, tapped, painted, kind of waterproofed and stitched every bit of that car back together in terms of the, the metal and the actual sort of bodywork of it. He even showed me how to take off the seats of the back seat and the two front seats and even that piece of vinyl that goes in over the, the handbrake and the gear stick. And he showed me in the back kitchen, which is this sort of room in our house which has no particular purpose other than just to store everything that we don't really use. Up on the corner, um, there's a sewing machine and there was a cobweb over it and it had a handle. And I got it off and I put it on the kitchen table and I stitched burgundy red leather into, it wasn't leather actually, it was vinyl, which became the new seat covers for the front and also the seat cover for the back. And we stood back after six weeks. Six weeks where, by the way, I made extensive cups of tea for my dad and made, looked after him, the energy that he had. We did, stood, stood back and we looked at what we'd done and we both smiled and I felt so proud of this, this car that we'd basically resurrected from the dead and brought back, in, back into the living. So I drove back to London and, and used that car for a good three or four years until I took it home one day and I parked it in what's known as the Millennium Shed at home. And it's been there for about eight years or so now. And then six months ago, I was at home, I was in the kitchen, and my dad said, Joanna, what, what are we going to do with that, with that car, the black one, you know, the black beetle that's in the Millennium Shed? And I was like, well, no. He said, well, well I've been, I, I, I talked to the scrapyard recently and they've offered us £150 for the car and I think maybe we could do with the space, maybe we should let it go. And this pang of guilt just hit me. I was like, how could, how could I let my dad pour his energy, which is of small reserve anyway, into something that the scrapyard was potentially going to take away from both of us? But as I walked up to the Millennium Shed to see the car, which is looking like it hasn't been driven for eight years, with the passenger side window slightly rolled down and a cobweb growing across it, with some fur and a few feathers on the, on the driver's seat where one of the cats has brought a conquest back, <laughs> where the rear tyre is not just flat, but completely flat. I, I thought that summer and that car represented so much more than just a car that could or couldn't drive. It was actually about myself and my dad. And no scrap merchant and no £150 is ever going to take that away from me. Thank you very much. And that's what I'm going to be doing in this GBA special. I'm going to be having some conversations, recording some memories again, I'm sure, and recording some experiences again, I'm sure, but also recommending some shows that I think are really good that you should see. I'm here with Lucy Ayrton, who was on last Wednesday's show. Yay! And she was the first person I spoke to at the whole of the festival. Yes! That was true. I just sat down on a bench to check my emails and have a little panic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that amazing. That double take thing where you were looking at me and you didn't know, where, where do yeah, I, I know this like, guy from? Is that, that that guy? And then I was like, oh, is he a famous comedian? And I was like, oh no, <laughs> even more exciting. <laughs> well, there you go, yes. <laughs> even more exciting than this, and a fam famous comedian. I, I can put that on my posters if I ever do a one-man show. Yeah, definitely. It's published now. Um, oh, yeah. Because you're broadcasting you it on the internet, so that is, that is a genuine true. quote. So I can't see your show, which is a great shame, but I saw it at the preview and I've been yes, promoting it all over yes. the place. 
and, nice on Twitter. Well, I, I just love it. And so when I, I, when I saw you here, I said, oh, shall I, I get your details like, on the, for the podcast and you can promote the show? So where, where is your show going to be? Okay, so my show is every day from today until the 14th at the Banshee Labyrinth, which is the most haunted pub in Scotland. Ooh. Fact fans. Ooh. Um, and it's on Nidri Street and it looks like the most haunted pub in Scotland, by which I mean it's a goth pub. <laughs> um, it's also very good for a drink and they do nice pizza. Anyway, no, less plugging for the Banshee, more plugging for me. Yeah. Uh, my show is every day at 20 minutes past six at the Banshee Labyrinth on Nidri Street. Look me up in the free fringe yeah, or Google. Free. It's, it's free. free. It's free. It's actually free. Um, I will amazing. try and hustle you for change at the end. Well, that's only. But that's, it is. Yeah. You pay it afterwards. Yes, rather exactly. Than exactly. It's, 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 yeah. I mean, they say free fringe, but it's basically pay what you deem appropriate slash have in your wallet fringe, um, <laughs> and I'll try and flog you books. When I spoke to you about this, you said I could have a poem, which is a very kind yes, thing to do. You can it's have a poem. Kind of poem? Well, what, what poem would you like to, to share with people on Getting Better Acquainted? Okay, I am going to do a warning poem because my whole show is about fairy tales and how important fairy tales are because they help warn children about things. So I'm going to do a warning poem about talking to strangers and how you definitely oh, shouldn't do it. It's very appropriate, the fringe. Makes flyering more difficult if you really cleave to the not talking to strangers <laughs> policy. But You're 26 I, now. I think I'm you're allowed 20, to talk. I'm, 26, I'm 26, I'm allowed to talk to maybe yeah. three strangers a day. Yeah. But for any younger listeners at home, this is a poem about that. Little Tarquin went down to the ark in the park one day, which he knew was forbidden. But, hey, he was bored and he wanted to play, but when he got to the ark, there was a demon blocking his way. And the demon was made from sliced ice and his arctic back cracked when he looked Tarquin's way and he said, I am one of the frozen chosen and I guard the gate to the ark and Tarquin bright lad said sorry this isn't an ark this is Battersea Park see it's just trees and the demon narrowed his iced eyes and said they told me there'd be sharks like you coming in the dark like you to tell me it's a park like you but I have been forewarned and I know that it's not true because I am one of the frozen chosen and I guard the gates to the ark. And Tarquin said, I know it's dark, but you must see the P in front of the word ark, making it not ark, but, as I said earlier, Battersea Park. And the demon turned his frozen face to the sign and Tarquin, whose heart was much braver than mine, took the demon's hand and traced it along the line of the letters. Hadn't occurred to Tarquin that the demon might get violent. Demon, after a time, declared, the P is silent, just like the P in pneumonia, which I'll make sure all your family contract if you continue to defy me, because I have made my pact, and I could not be free even if I wanted to be, which I don't, because I am one of the frozen chosen, and I guard the gates to the Ark and Tarquin, trying one last time, said, listen. Seeing you shiver here forever makes my heart quiver, and as I'm a forgiver, let me deliver you from the cold. Listen to the dogs bark. Look at the police snark hiding in the shadows. Look at the sarky teens drinking cider and larking about. This is Battersea Park. And the demon said, you're the one who is mistaken, but you have shaken me and nearly caused me to forsake under my vow, which means you will be taken if you don't stop now. And Tarquin said, I really don't think... Used to be a spark in Tarquin. Now it's gone dark now. Tarquin is made from sliced ice and his arctic back cracks when he looks your way. 
He is one of the frozen chosen and he guards the gates to the Ark in Battersea Park. Yay. Yay! Just one person to clap, and he's got a <laughs> microphone hand. in one oh, hand. Oh, look, it's so the sound of one hand clapping. One hand clapping, you got there you it. go. Um, that was fantastic. That's your kind of modern fairy tale. Yes, Where that's... you've got reinterpreted fairy tales, and really your show's kind of the story of fairy tales. The story of fairy tales, I Which get, is great. You get a fairy tale from 1250, approximately, obviously. Yeah. I don't know when it was written. Well, I don't know. Was there paper in 1250? Probably. Not sure. I haven't researched that bit. Um, <laughs> I do some Hans Christian Andersen. Fairy tales, I do some of my own. I nick a bit off Disney. It's yes, all, and that's it's all, all a big fairy tale mishmash. Yeah, everyone come along to that and then directly afterwards, I'm running a poetry slot. That's so right. Anyone you're out right. there, I am running out of slots, but we always have one available on the night, so it's always worth chanting around and we've got some wicked headline acts for that as well. Brilliant. That's Tea Fuel, Flea Circus, Open Slam, every day at the Banshee Labyrinth at 7.30, but come see me at 6.21st. That's right, brilliant, fantastic. Hey. Thanks so much Happy again, Happy festival, everyone. This is the second part of the GBA Edinburgh Trilogy, because the first time I went down, as I said, for GBA, I was an audience member. This time, I'm a performer. Next year, when I go to the Edinburgh Festival, I'm going to be a producer. I'm going to be taking my show, Stand Up Tragedy, up to the festival next year as part of the, the PBH Free Fringe, which is a, a great new thing that's started up that's happening at the Edinburgh Festival now, which is free shows and shows that are free for the performers to do, or at least shows that it's free for the performers to go and do. I mean, it still costs them money to get up there, uh, to get accommodation, to get promotion, to do all of the things that cost money, but the, the venues themselves are free and it's a, a great thing. Some of the stuff that you pay for is going to be terrible, but some of the stuff that you don't pay for, some of the stuff in the free fringe, is going to be brilliant. I'm here with Richard Tyrone Jones, who is the director of the free fringe spoken word, and also he's doing a great show called Richard Tyrone Jones Has a Big Heart, and he's a previous Getting Better Acquainted guest, and uh, on that you talked a lot about Big Heart as well, so if they want to find out even more, they should go there. But anyway, Richard, ha hello. Hello, Dave. <laughs> Welcome to Edinburgh. Good to have you. I keep bumping into you everywhere. It's, it's, yeah, that's it's, kind it's of a small city and true. we're both noticeable people. Yeah, uh, yeah we just had Utter Nori, which was a kind of spoken word storytelling special. And some people told stories in poetic form, right. like Lucy Ayrton and uh, lullabies to make your children cry. And I just read out some stuff from my book. Yep. Uh, Stephen Barnaby did memorised 50-word stories, which are very catchy and yeah, he uh, was brilliant. Cool. Yeah. A crazy story about paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah, that was crazy. Alec Beattie and um, the story of the Popes, the true Ottonori story of the papacy. Those Popes were oh, they were pretty They were terrible, selling, selling all the wives of the priests yeah. into slavery. I'm called Joe, otherwise known as Sergeant Buzzfuzz. And I've just seen you in the first half of this event doing a song about the popes. That's right. So what's your show called that you're doing? It's called Go to the Devil and Shake Yourself, and it's the story of the first 1400 years of the papacy. What made you decide to, to do a show about well, the popes? Well, it started with me reading a book about the history of the papacy, and, and I thought I'd write one song. Then when I started to write that song, the more I wrote, the more I realised it was too much... I didn't want to miss out yeah. in the story, so it's. I think it's going to be instead of four minutes. I think it's going to be four albums in the end. I've got an album <laughs> that's for sale in the show. Do you think it's a, a pro pope show? If you look at the history and, and and tell the history as I'm doing, it's not exactly a pro pope show, and it's it's, a, it's not a show about religion or no. faith or God or anything. But it is a show about the organisation 
of the papacy. It's like it's like a thing about kings or something, isn't it? But just yeah. they happen yeah. to be religious think, leaders. Yeah, and I'm just I'm reporting the historical facts, and if you do find out those facts, you're not going to be that impressed with uh, the organisation over the 2,000 years of history. <laughs> you have an interest in popes before you did this show? Well, right? I was born as a Catholic, so right. I, I guess I'm, that's the You had it, had it drummed into your lips. And where can people see your show? We're playing for 16 nights at Ryan's Cellar which is on the west side of Princess Street, and we're doing a few other shows yeah. here and there. Have a look on the Free Fringe website and they can find it, or you've probably yeah. got your own website. Or, yeah, com really enjoyed your song and uh, yeah much. yeah it was um, I'm, I'm a, I, I write songs as well and I okay. really enjoyed the tune of it, it like it was a great song as well as a great story so thank, thank you very much, much for that I really want to read the book that Joe's been reading now and find out some more about the uh, all those wow. what's that sound uh, I thought it was you know, someone dropping a load of gravel well there's people on stilts dressed there's nuns on stilts or well, not nuns they are veiled 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 strange, veiled strange people, people. Oh, I bet they're really annoying when they're walking up the Oh, they've got clappers, that's what they're doing. They've got those things where you twirl them around. So when's your show on, Richard? My show is on at 6pm at the Banshee Labyrinth, uh, every day except the 13th and 19th, but also at Princess Street Mall at 3.30 on the 12th. 18th and 25th and matinee he's, he's, performances disabled accessible and he's doing that without notes which is a, the mark of a pro mm-hmm. and and what's your show hopefully about there in, will be notes there'll be notes in the buckets afterwards yeah well uh, hopefully so i mean that, that's the thing about the free fringe it's it's yeah. it is free to go into but it's it, but you kind of you can pay at the end you said yeah. uh, you if said it's good you feel obliged to give, give some money because exactly it's been good if it's rubbish then you just put like 50p in or something yeah well like you that. get you get to or basically you pay what you think it was worth yeah that's nice i have just left halfway through free shows <laughs> but that's the beauty of it yeah you've got the freedom to do whatever you like artistically sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't but most of the time it does on the free fringe anyway because i vet the performers who are on well by, by vet i don't mean you know i stick my finger up their bum <laughs> and, and cut their bollocks off or anything no, no. i mean sometimes i do that but uh, that's private, that's not on stage. Uh, and that's yeah, not I free just make sure. No, that bit's not free. Yeah. <laughs> Your show's about having a heart condition. Yeah. Do you think a, it's a risky business to be doing, a, 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 you know, so a, much so much with stuff. a heart condition? Uh, well, I'm on so many beta blockers that it means that my heart rate can't actually go that fast. Okay. And if, I, if my heart should stop, uh, then I've got an implantable cardioverter defibrillator. So bang! I just get... <laughs> Some people call it defibrillation. I like to call it regeneration. That's nice, uh, like the being, doc- being like a Doctor, Doctor Who, Who yeah. fan. Yeah, unlike Doctor Who, unfortunately, every time I get regenerated uh, by this electric shock to the heart, I, I've still got the same face afterwards. <laughs> but but I, everything else has changed. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> no, not really. To be honest, it's just. I was doing. Oh, oh, what happened? Oh. How many? Has that yeah. happened to you quite regularly then? Uh, it's happened three times, and the last time was last August at the Camden Fringe, and I'd, had, I'd done too much drinking to be honest, and leached all of the nutrients out of my heart, all of the essential salts, the potassium and sodium chloride and so on. That is just salt, isn't it? The, all the ions leached out, and then I walked up Primrose Hill in the heat. The heat does affect me. So that's why I've got these special performance shorts, trouser yeah. shorts trouser on, shorts, zip, off zip off trouser shorts. You can just vent them at the knees for some light ventilation, or if you want to go the whole hog, you just take them off 
sometimes I'm just so lazy I just zip them off and then let the bottoms let kind of dangle around my ankles <laughs> knowing that they're not going to fall off my size 14 feet. If you want to go and see a really great show and I think it really is a great show, funny anecdotes with poetry, with audio visuals yeah. about a real thing, about a true thing where the person who's telling it might have a heart attack and then be re refibrillated or defibrillated yeah. on stage. On stage. Yeah, and it's, this is the one I go to. It's go kind along. of like if you like, if you like Japanese sadistic game shows <laughs> uh, and poetry and science. Yeah, uh, then it's for you. It's the show for you. Obviously, I'm still hoping that uh, people like the Guardian or the Scotsman will pick it up. Of course, it's free and it's non-ticketed. So if they turn up and it sells out, and I have to go. Oh, sorry, you guys won't get in today. And one of them's a reviewer. Oh dear. You know, I can't. I, I've still got to not let them in. Oh shit. They're late. You see. So those, them's the rules. Wow. So if there are any reviewers listening to get this, in get in quick. quick. Yeah, get in quick. Mm. Well, brilliant. Well, thanks very much and uh, have a great rest of the Fringe. So I'd, I'd talk to you even if you weren't recording it, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. I'd be, I'd be slightly less witty. I'd put I a little bit less effort. So I've got a very busy schedule. We're going to see loads and loads of shows. So I'm going to take you through it. I should get to Edinburgh about 11.25 this morning. <laughs> Walking through the streets of Edinburgh has been, uh, it's like a barrage of flashbacks. I just find that the older I get, this is the way that life goes. Every city that I know quite well is just full of so many memories and they're overlaying each other, you know? So that I kind of walk down the streets and I see five different versions of me in different times and ages of my life, stumbling about, trying to make sense of things in different moments. And here I am stumbling about trying to make sense of things. Sunny Edinburgh is a beauty to behold. It's really a place that feels like a place. It feels like it's got lots of history. And at the same time, all of these new things are happening all around. At 3.40 today, I'm gonna to be going to see Alison Thea Scott in her show. Alison's a performer who performed at Stand Up Tragedy and did a comic monologue there. Then afterwards, I'm gonna record a conversation with her for getting better acquainted. Today, we're getting better acquainted with Alison Thea Scott. Hello. Hello. We're in your Edinburgh abode. We're in your Edinburgh flat. We are indeed. At the yeah. Edinburgh Festival. It's, and it's lovely and quiet here. It's like yeah. calm away from the madness of the, the Royal Mile. The madness that is the Royal Mile, yeah. It's, I got in at 11.30 and it was relatively quiet and, and then I've watched it get madder and madder as the day goes on. <laughs> I'm impressed that you got a seven o'clock train. Yeah, me too. I'm surprised. <laughs> You're still alive. Well done. I've just got a lot of support around me and I think you don't have to have that but with the way I've come into this it's that's been a huge help yeah it doesn't hurt um, yeah it doesn't at all so my family and I think my sense of humor has very much come from my brothers I've got two older brothers and very dark and <laughs> <laughs> quite sort of a, a sort of surreal sense of humor and I think I got a lot from that it sounds like anyone's story isn't it I've got no I didn't get bullied well, I, don't think I didn't that's lose the, a limb but, but it doesn't sound like my, <laughs> doesn't sound like my story because I did get bullied Oh um, God, Dave! Oh, <laughs> blimey, that's yeah, awful. Yeah, well, it's just like anyone's story. <laughs> <laughs> and we all got bullied, yeah. Yeah, God. I mean, like that's how it is. It's like whatever your your background is feels normal, you know. Mm. But actually, everybody. Something I learned from doing this show is everybody actually is different. You yeah, know? one does. It's something I always have to watch because my natural instinct on the show and in life is to to sort of try and find us all as the same and say, oh yes, yeah. you know, and find similarities. But actually, one of the things I'm trying to do is to learn to 
to notice difference actually mm-hmm. like, oh that's different or that's like you know not everybody had two older brothers and like the kind of sense of humor not everybody had that conversation parents had. <laughs> you know those are those are yours oh, yeah, and they're unique yeah. and, they're, and they're interesting because mm-hmm. everybody the difference of other people's stories are just as interesting as the similarities like that's what we like that's what they're going to the theater for that's what people want to see absolutely they want to see moments they identify with and moments that seem strange to them yes and they yeah. get that in your show which is a nice little segue because we're, we're about the point in the episode where I ask people, do you have anything that you'd like to plug? And so obviously... <laughs> Absolutely, Dave. Um, yeah, obviously we've talked a lot about it already, but I would love, if anyone's out there and they're listening um, and they would like to come and see some character comedies. So if character comedy is your thing, one person plays lots of different characters and you take a costume out of the suitcase and you just flick from one character to the next. Quite traditional sort of format, but I'd like to think my characters are a bit against the norm at times. So They're modern. Yeah, yeah. good, they're a modern take. So it's called Thea Scott's Misadventures and Thea Scott being me. It's not a theme of adventure through the show, but the idea is that it's almost like you're going on an adventure through my mind of characters yeah. and you get to see what's just in my head really and what's coming out of this suitcase. And it's M-I-S-S Gap Adventure, isn't it? It is, yeah. absolutely. So where is it on? At the Just the Tonic Caves on Cowgate in Edinburgh. So yep. you're up at the festival. We are on Cowgate. There's a giant cow outside so you can't miss it. And I am there from now, we are the 3rd today, 3rd yeah. of August, and I'm there right through to the 26th of August. Wow. We have one day off on the 14th. The full festival. The full festival. Yeah, and it's 3.40 for an hour every day. Edinburgh's a strange place like that. It's got all of these different festivals happening at the same time. It's not just a comedy festival or a spoken word festival or a theatre festival, fringe theatre th- festival, international festival literary festival film festival all of these things are happening at the same time like different circles in a pond rippling out and cut co- and they collide you always have sort of a a very unique experience it'll be within a like i find each time i come you end up going to different venues or you're in a different area of the town more than you were last time or you you sort of get into a comedy kick or a theater kick or a dance kick or whatever you know it's it's got all of these different things and it sort of is what you make of it. I'm sure you can have an absolutely terrible time. I'm sure you can come and you can only see bad shows. You can just have bad luck. But it just has a kind of life of its own. And that's really exciting about it. So I bumped into Richard Tyrone Jones. And now I'm going to go and see a show that he recommended, which is free. That's brilliant. And that fills in my, my bit of time that I've got between one thing and another. And it's, it's just weird like that. Everyone's having these parallel, like he's having a parallel fringe to mine. And I'm having a parallel fringe to his. And... If we bump into each other and recommend things, then they start to kind of connect and interact. And hopefully when you hear this show, if you're coming to Edinburgh, you'll hear some shows that you could go to see and then your Edinburgh experience will interact and collide and, and, and move around and mix with mine. And that'll be excellent. So I'm having my first drink of the festival now. I'm having a pint of cider in a plastic cup. Had a brilliant conversation with Alison Thea Scott and I saw her show. It's very early days for her show. It's a second preview, I think. And she does character comedy. Some of the comedy's quite risky, but it's also got heart and it's got interesting characters that she's doing. It's early in its run, so I'm sure it'll get better as it goes on. But it's really promising at the moment and she's a great performer and uh, I think she's a really funny and uh, nice person and it was really great having a chat with her. And I recommend her show.
it was interesting seeing it because there's something good about seeing shows when they're not fully formed you know it's like when you see a child and they're not an adult yet but you can see the adult in them and you can see where they're going and actually sometimes it's exciting and interesting to see something that's not developed yet because you get to know that it's going to develop and you get to maybe see it again in the future and see it when it is developed so you go along and see it when it's developed and I'm really glad that I saw it when it was just beginning to come into maturity at 9.10 this evening I'm going to be seeing a guy called Superbard who I'll be recording a conversation with later in the weekend but I'm going to see his show tonight so I'm walking through the streets of Edinburgh trying to make my microphone look like a phone I've turned it upside down and I'm holding it up to my head as if I'm talking into a phone and I'm hoping that'll be okay so I've just come out of a really really fucking amazing show it was, it's called Superbard Starts to Save the World and it was performed by Superbard. I was blown away by the show. It was moving, it was poignant, it was uplifting, it was inventive. But most of all, it was charming. And I don't mean charming in a negative kind of patronizing sense I mean it in, in in the real meaning of the word charming you know it charmed me you know in a delightful way and again delightful sounds patronizing but these are the only words I have to describe it but you know I'm someone who gets put off by that sort of thing and I loved it it won me over it was properly good in fact I mean that was the word that Lucy Ayrton used to describe it I met up with her by accident Earlier today, I was sitting on a park bench, and there she was. And uh, we talked about what shows she'd recommend, and she said, "Well, you know, Superbad." And I already knew I was going to see that because I'm interviewing George, who's that's his real name, on Sunday. And she said, "Oh, it's it's brilliant." I said, "What's good about it?" She said, "It's just so charming. It uses the audience participation in such an amazing way. It like properly makes you feel kind of connected to." each other it's about love it's about saving the world it's also about time travel there's also a lot about time travel and i like that about it it used multimedia stuff really well like really well conceived edited and and it has some kind of magic moments as well magic moments like technologically magic there's like a an amazing i don't even want to give it away i don't even want to give away it was so amazing so 100 percent, you gotta go and see it but you know what? The biggest thing about it that surprised me is like, I've seen Superbad lots of times and he's never blown me away before. I've seen bits of that show before and, you know, they didn't do it for me. But this, this did. He's found the perfect combination and it's kind of testament to working stuff out, to trying stuff out. He had to do all of those bits and build up to this, try bits out, work on them, improve them. Like I saw a whole sequence from it at an autumn shift show and you know the room was wrong for it. That, that's another thing about it. It worked because he had total control of the environment and total control of the room and so he could tell you a story, he could win you over, he could charm you and you can't necessarily do that when you're doing an extract at a night. But it really was a testament to trying things out. Like I had him on a stand-up tragedy and his piece actually for stand-up tragedy I thought it was okay. You know, I thought it was pretty good, but it didn't blow me away. But the piece was recycled into this and he's worked on it, he's changed it, he's made it much, much better. And it just really 
fucking worked. By both these bits that I'd seen before, I might have written off if I'd seen them that one time. And it just says, goes to show, don't write off artists trying out their material. How the hell else are they gonna make it good? You know, we have to do loads of things that are not great before we can make something great out of them. And you know, Superbard has bloody done that. And I am really fucking impressed. I mean, the first time I saw Superbard, he just had some te technological difficulties. And that's another thing. Like, his show is very, it's deceptive. It doesn't feel technological when you watch it because he's got it right. But it is very technological. And if things don't work, then that really fucking fucks it up for him. And he needs to have control of his environment. And he's got it now. And he's got control of his story. And he told it brilliantly. And hats off to him. I was so impressed. And it was a great feeling to be won over by someone who, I, you know, I like him well enough as a guy. Don't know him that well. I'll get to know him better on Sunday when I get better acquainted with him. But I wasn't wowed by him as, a, as an artist, as a creator. And now I am, you know. Now he has charmed me. And I am his champion. Go and see his show. Superbard starts to save the world. Go and see it. It's on from the 2nd to the 19th of August. 9, 10 p.m. Cost you £9.50 or £7.50 concessions. It's 50 minutes long and it's on at Spotlights at the Merchants Hall. Another thing I recommend you seeing is Nick Sun, this comedian, a completely different kind of thing. It's the opposite of Superbad, it's not polished. It's raw, it's, 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 it's trying out completely new things that could fall on their face and sometimes they do, but, it, but that works in this particular routine. You know, where Superbard has to have control of his environment to be able to communicate the, the brilliant idea that he has in his head. This guy is raw, he's edgy, he's truth, he's full of truth and he gets in your face. There was an empty front row, he grabbed all the chairs, he threw them on the floor. He, he told three people to get up and play musical chairs, but he kept self-sabotaging himself, kept destroying what he was doing, he kept criticizing himself. He really picked on these three people who weren't find, finding it funny and, you know, really made something true about this kind of edgy, raw, difficult, hilarious experience. If you like that kind of thing, and I really do, but I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but if you like that kind of thing, go and see him and he's free. And it was fucked up, and there were fucked up jokes, but the jokes were the right kind of fucked up. They said something. They didn't attack the victims. They didn't attack anybody but him. And they got into his head, and they got into the heads of people like me, who feel like, on one level, we're useless, and we want someone to show that emotion on stage and he did it really well he was funny i mean that's the thing you can rhapsodize about all of this stuff but genuinely he was funny i laughed all the way through i'm not saying that i was in the majority he's not that kind of comedian but we need comedians that try new approaches that risk things that fucking throw our failures and our flaws in our faces and laugh at them and dance in the rubble and that's what he was doing and you should see him and you should see Superbard. And this is me being all excited and enthusiastic because that's what this place can do to you, man. If you get in and see something brilliant, 
then it can just change you and it doesn't I know like I know there's bad things in the world I know that this is not what's important even necessarily feeling like this seeing something that makes you energized I've seen two things tonight that really touched me in completely different ways I've been slapped around the face and then I've been charmed and both those emotions were great and both of those emotions were glorious. Today we're getting better acquainted with George, aka Superbard. Hello, George. Hi, how are you doing? Well, it's amazing. Um, it's kind of weird, in fact, how many reviewers so far have used the word charm or charmed <laughs> at some point. That's great. Last year's show had much more of a morose ending. It was much more, in some ways, I would say, the last year's show was a bit more nuanced, really, particularly in terms of the way people felt coming out. It was a much more mixed emotion piece. Okay. It's really lovely leaving the show <laughs> this time and just looking at all these people with big grins on their faces. It just makes me think, why am I doing this? Why did I do this mixed emotion nonsense? That's that? one of the things I think you do so well in the piece is just like, you you manipulate in a good way our emotions like you use the techniques of film scoring like it's a completely scored piece yeah. and you feel like sad like at the right times and, but, and then it's sort of like yeah and then hopefully yeah leave you on this big wonderful high yeah. and, and that's that's what's been really nice about the few performances seeing audiences leave with that high is just really gratifying it's yeah it feels good I don't know if the equipment's going to break down or not. I'm completely dependent on this mic, on finding enough electricity to charge all of the things that need to be charged. On luck, because I'm recording these shows and I'm putting them out like next week. Normally there's months, even sometimes a year, up to a year, you know, between when I record a conversation, when I edit it and when I put it out. This is hardcore guerrilla recording stuff, editing it, sticking it out, and I'm promoting all of the stuff before I've even done it which is a, a, an exciting but scary position to be in. Which is a little bit like doing a show. You know, you agree to do it, you arrange to do it, you prepare for it, but you don't know if it's going to go good and until you do it. And that's how I feel about tomorrow's performance. But anyway, I digress. Then at 11.40, I'm going to be going to a preview of the American comedian Eddie Pepitone, who I really, really love, who has been on WTF, with Mark Marin, a podcast I really love. That's how I discovered him, but he also does his own podcast, The Long Shot. He kind of inspired me to do stand-up tragedy, actually, one of his comedy bits. And stand-up tragedy is a, a, a night that I was running at the Leicester Square Theatre, and it's the one I'm going to take up to the Edinburgh Festival next year. And it's basically a variety night, but it's not comedy, it's tragedy. So a lot of it still is comedy, but it's allowed to be tragic, and it's allowed to be sad, and it's allowed not to be funny. It has comedians, true storytellers, cabaret acts, authors, musicians, just everything in between. It even had improvised tragedy, which was absolutely hilarious. And so uh, that's kind of be coming back in 2013. I'm going to do some London shows to raise some money, then I'm going to do it in the free fringe. We'll do it as quick as possible. So I'm here with Eddie Pepitone. I'm a big fan of his podcast, The Long Shot, that you should definitely check out. And he's done a lot of stuff on WTF, which kind of inspired my, my podcast generally. And also, you know what? 
you know, you did a bit in one of Mal Marin's shows, and you said what we need in this country in America, obviously, is stand-up tragedy. Yeah. I forgot I, to do that. I tell you what, yeah. I don't know, I don't know how you're going to feel about this. I'm running a night in London called Stand Up Tragedy, based on that, where people stand up and do tragedy. <laughs> I don't know how you, you feel about bastard. It. No, I know, I know what you mean, but like, no, I think that's great. Other people have made that pun before as well. You I gotta it. let me know how that goes, it. and I, it's funny it's that going you mentioned. All right. It's going okay. You've already done it. Yeah, we did five five months in Leicester Square Theatre. But, um, but you what? already did a bunch of shows. Yeah. Oh, but, I would love to fucking. I would love you to do it. I mean, like in London. Yeah. I'm gonna be in London August 14th, screening oh, the man, Bitter Buddha movie. It's not gonna be till 2013 now. I'll like, be back. I've got to regroup. You know okay. how it is when you yeah, do yeah, some yeah, shows. Yeah. I gotta get yeah, some yeah, yeah. shit together. I'm gonna so be in Edinburgh next year, that. actually. Oh, great. Doing uh, stand-up tragedy here. So if you're in Edinburgh next time. That's bad. You think it's not your? Yeah, I know. The other other comedians have done the bit. That's like not the not the exact bit, but the stand-up tragedy idea. Like I researched it before I decided to use it because I thought fucking hell, I can't steal it. I just thought it's such a good. Do idea. you credit me that? Oh, this is I have, a bit I've, from, oh, I've, I've mentioned you lots of times, but they never put it good, in the paper. You know? I don't really want to talk about that too much because you've got a show and I've just seen it. Yeah. And I thought it was brilliant. Thank and, you. I mean, when did you? Is this a, it's a, is this your first night in Edinburgh tonight? Uh, this is my second night. Supposedly, this is uh, the end of previews, whatever that means. And then I go to the 26th, so I've got two under my belt. And I'm starting to feel a little more confident, yeah. you know what I mean? And I had Getting a good, feel good from turnout. the audience. Yeah, I had a I mean, good turnout. I heard Americans say it's a different kind of audience over here. Are you finding that yet? Or? Uh, yeah, it is. It is, but uh, I like it. Yeah. I, I think, you know, people are, you know, really smart. You know, what? what is a little different, though, is sometimes because it's a different audience, you get different laughs in different places. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like tonight, the audience would be like a little delay and then a laugh. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, and that's just something I'm going to have to learn. Yeah, it's learning what we find yeah, culturally yeah, funny. Exactly. I guess. That's a exactly. Different thing. And, and so this is your second night. And I mean, like you did some of the bits that I really enjoy. Which it was weird though, because you got a, you got a request for one of your bits, which I, I was surprised because yeah. I was like, I love that bit. But then I thought, yeah. is it is it weird if someone requests your bit then to do it? Like how? Did oh, not at all. Because uh, that heckle bit where I heckle myself. It's I've brilliant. decided that that's how I'm going to close the shows because uh, I, I don't like to reset what I do like I'm not one of these comedians who goes I'm going to do this 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 and this I yeah. just kind of flow but I do think the heckler is a, is a good closer yeah and you, well, you did loads of really great improvisation and I really enjoyed that thank you if people check out on YouTube your heckler bit actually that's a really good taste for what oh, they yeah. might see at the yeah, show yeah, yeah, yeah. so it, you're on what time did we start tonight Tw 20 to 12 yeah at the we're at the Tron, Tron. Tron. Mm -hmm. just the bloodbath is the and bloodbath is what I call the show yeah which is great yeah oh man I, I mean I got to say it's, it's a real it really is Thank like I'm, I mean I'm very excited to sort of be in the Thank same room so much, which is uh, weird I guess it must be very weird for people to say that to you no I, mean, I love it I mean I, I love that I that, that uh, you know I love my fans I love people who get inspired by me because they inspire me like in other words the fact that you you dig what I do makes me think okay let me keep going I well, mean, I'm if glad, people, I'm I mean glad. if people didn't fucking respond you wouldn't do anything yeah but I've got to run to another show now yeah, so of course, people should definitely come along thanks so much Thank for doing you. that with me thank You're you very welcome. much so I'm incredibly excited to have just spoken to Eddie Peppertone and got a bit of recording of him talking for this show. Eddie Peppertone is a great comedian and I really, really, really enjoyed his set. You know, it was a, a really strong, powerful set full of, you know, great, really you know, funny bits, but also very true. I love the heckling himself bit, but he, he does a lot of really, really like right, kind of political but funny 
and just dark as well like it's just a real great mix of stuff so i mean it was really really great to see him and it was a really good venue for it actually it was weird because it was the first uh that's the first pub i've ever been to in edinburgh like when i first came here when i was 19 years old i went for the first drink i had was in that pub and uh, i saw eddie peppertone downstairs there Whew, 11 years later and or oh, 10 10 or 11 years later and wow i mean it was a it was a great great set the audience really really enjoyed it but it was one of those weird kind of live experiences where the front the front table like they were with it at the beginning and then they kind of lost it in the middle and then they started leaving and 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 i go i get that i mean eddie eddie made a comment like on stage about like he's not for everyone and, and, and he isn't for everyone but he he is for a lot of people. He is quite mainstream, I think. But you know, so sometimes people just don't get a comedian and they don't enjoy it, and that's what that's what kind of happened. But it, it kind of saps the it saps the enjoyment, I think, for the performer because you know it's it's really hard when suddenly there's a space right in front of you, and it doesn't matter how loud everybody else is laughing. You know, the people who are right in front of you who you can see have gone, and so that was kind of that was kind of I didn't like that. It spoiled my time, like. If you look, I just think don't sit on a front table if you're going to be leaving. And if you, you know, if you if you if you're not sure, if you haven't seen the comedian before, don't go and sit at the front table. That's just a rule I always do. I always sit at the back. If I don't know a comedian, if I love a comedian like tonight, I go and sit at the front. I was on one of the front tables because I like I knew I really wanted to be near him. I wanted to hear him. I wanted to see him. That's because I liked him. Sit at the front tables if you know you like the show. That's my general rule, you know, just a general etiquette for crowds. But I mean, it was a great, great show. Really, I'm, I'm a bit starstruck, to be honest. I mean, it's funny, you know, Jen, it's, it's funny because, you know, Jen, my girlfriend, she knows Eddie Peppertone is that guy that shouts that I listen to on the radio, like on my, on my iPhone, because I listen to his podcasts and uh, I listen to his, I've got his stand up. Uh, album I bought that and it's on my iPhone I really like that actually I recommend that as well that's called a great stillness which is one of the bits that he he did tonight but yeah his show is called bloodbath <laughs> just that's funny isn't it I mean I, I think it is like he just he just isn't afraid of saying how shit the world can be there's a positivity somewhere inside it and there's a his anger and his he's an angry guy but his anger comes from a kind of place of love and it kind of comes from a place of familiarity. Certainly it comes from a place of familiarity to me because I got that kind of anger inside me. I think a lot of people have. It's important for comedians to explore that stuff. That's what Eddie does. But yeah, I mean, fucking hell. Now I'm walking through the streets now of Edinburgh. After seeing, I've seen, like every show I've seen today has been a winner. I've seen three amazing shows and one promising show, you know? And that's, a, that's the first night, and I'm only here for three days. So if I keep up with this, with this success rate, it's gonna be immense. I fucking love this place. This is a little bit like Eddie was in the show, like he's, he does this kind of riff on the idea of he'll come back to the, the bit, he goes off on tangents and then he comes back to the bit. And I'm doing that a little bit here, I guess, but not deliberately, more just, God, you know, I've had a bit to drink and it's quite late at night, but Jen knows Eddie as the guy that shouts <laughs> that I listen to. You know, I'll be in the bath listening to him and she'll be like rolling her eyes. <laughs>
and now you know she's going to be listening to my show and then there he is but he, he didn't shout he didn't shout we just had a conversation and actually you know i don't think that's fair as a kind of descriptor he has great mic work you know that's one of the things that's really impressive about him he takes his takes the mic away from him when he's shouting he's, he speaks in low like different tones he varies it up he's really he's really he's really good he's a pro he's been doing it for years so of course he should be but like he's got it he's got it he's magic on stage like i like him in recording but he's even better in he's even better in person he's even better on stage and he had a great set tonight like i liked everything everything was pitch perfect you know and i'm quite a critical guy like especially about comedy routines i'll be like oh he lost me just there or he lost me just there but he didn't lose me at all today and uh yeah it was great go and see him he's here all fucking time and he, he's never been out of america he says at the start whether that's true or not it might be an exaggeration but i want him to come back you know i want him to come back so go and see him tonight i'm going to stay with a guy called james ross who hasn't been on my show but he is a in an improv group called Fat Kitten that a friend of mine knows and so I'm so staying I'm, with him I'm tonight I'm here in the kitchen in the morning with Fat Kitten I've been staying at sorry and I'm I'm guessing right in the way of somebody with some tea so yeah so this is Fat Kitten Improv yeah. James Ross is their their Grandmaster. What? Grandmaster. <laughs> and uh, there's lots of other people who uh, it would just be very complicated to name everybody. But so when's Fat Kitten on and what are you? Fat Kitten Improv are an improv comedy group. We are the Make-A-Wish Sports Cup 2011 winners. It's the only thing in UK improv for which there is a trophy. Dream Team! Uh, we are on at 16.50 till 17.50 at the Voodoo Rooms. Brackets, speakeasy, closed brackets, not Wednesdays. It's going to be our first show uh, tonight, which is the 4th. And we finish on the 25th. And we're doing two different shows. One is Fat Kitten vs. The World. That's our second one we're doing uh, later in the month. That's a vicious improv comedy oh. smackdown. Deathmatch to the death with no actual death against a bunch of guest groups. We have like an improv off. Great fun, we've got some great groups in this year, it's going to be amazing. And the first show we're doing is something that's a bit more kind of stripped down, a bit more kind of pared down character work, a bit more serious, uh, although still funny, which is Black and Go Speed Dating. <laughs> so all the thrills and spills of Tempest Cab Sex with Strangers to the tune of improv comedy, and it's all going to be rather good. And it's like, if you if you like your improv comedy, this will be something that is a bit different. Um, it's an attempt to make short form something a bit more sophisticated than just like da 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 oi games. Um, so we'll do some other things, and that'll be super fun. Yeah, and then a million showcase slots, and I'm tired already. Has anybody got any recommendations that people should check out that aren't back kitten? Beta Mills, the space race. Beta space race. Uh, we also got Monkey Toast, which is an improvised chat show where they have real guests answering real questions and then watching less real things off the back of those questions. <laughs> yeah, our um, second recommendation for Monkey Toast is being uh, run by a chap called David Shaw, who's a Lord High Canadian improviser who's here um, teaching the peasants. Uh, that's on at 11.05 at the Pleasant Tendo. They're, they're very good in the morning here. I, I recommend Baby Wants Candy Improvised Musicals because they're from America and they've been improvising for ages and they're really, really funny. Um, and I'd recommend Square Eye Pair. It's a scripted two-hander from two uh, Kiwi improvisers. Okay, well, that sounds excellent. Well, that's, that, that's brilliant. Does anybody have any, like, terrible fringe stories or funny stri fringe stories before I check my friend out? <laughs> At midday, I'm going to go and see Atanori that's going to have a few people who've been on, on Getting Better Acquainted before in it. Now, let's welcome to the stage Poet 
raconteur and ginger representative Richard Tyrone Jones performing an extract from his excellent one-man show. Thank you, Sandra Tragedy. I am a poet, and as if being a poet and ginger wasn't social disadvantage enough, I also have chronic heart failure. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. You're probably thinking, Richard, you're far too young and dashing to have heart failure. Oh, you must be late 20s. Oh, no, no, no. Um, but that's what I thought. Um, and that was partly the problem, you see. I was labouring under the misapprehension that heart failure, that only affects really old people, like 40 or 50 year olds. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't as if my body hadn't been giving me hints uh, for months. Uh, for example, the uh, fainting fits, worthy of the heroine of an Edwardian novel, and uh, my corset wasn't even done at that time. <laughs> Migraines uh, were at such intensity that the Met Office was actually thinking about beginning to name them. And uh, the phlegm. Ah, the phlegm. How to do justice to its frothy richness. Well, let's just say that every time I <coughs> hawked some of it up, I was reminded, it's been ages since I've had a McDonald's milkshake. Uh, and what was it that could have caused the most vital organ in my body to rebel? So the second most vital <laughs> organ in my body to rebel against me like a cardiac Libya. Could it have been my pre-existing uh, atrial fibrillation, basically a, a regularly irregular, essentially a bebop heartbeat? No, couldn't have been that. My GP had told me to uh, just uh, cut down on the caffeine and uh, take aspirin regularly, which I was doing when I remembered. Uh, could it have been my experimental sampling of the now-banned industrial plant food stimulant methadrone, also known as Meow Meow. Nah, it couldn't have been that. I was always careful only to ingest just enough to annoy the Daily Mail. And no more. Uh, could it have been the fact that to mark my 30th birthday, uh, one month before I was hospitalised, I actually held my own mock funeral, with me lying motionless in a coffin throughout, flanked on either side by women in black holding aloft fatherless ginger children <laughs> with hymns, tributes from friends, flowers, and a surprisingly convincing vicar. <laughs> they didn't realise uh, what was wrong with me uh, until uh, I eventually had uh, an echocardiogram. Has anybody in the room had an echocardiogram? Ah, there we go. I hope it um, came out, you know, okay. Um, you have the same thing. Oh my goodness. Well, don't, don't give anybody any spoilers. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I had an echocardiogram. It's quite an intimate experience. Somewhat homoerotic, depending on who does it, obviously. Um, somehow religious, because it was the first time that I'd ever looked inside my own body and definitely reminiscent of the 1986 Dennis Quaid film, Inner Space. <laughs> so here's a poem about it. Echo. Strong black hands in thin white gloves grease my chest and apply the probe. Like gazing down into a modernist cathedral. From the atrial vaults we see the flapping tapestries of the mitral valves like spastic butterflies or the clapping of white Baptists who can't quite keep in time. <laughs> we descend to the floor of this bloody transept. Our view screen that of a bathosphere trip, nine fathoms deep into your own corpus. Track left, enhance, 
I imagine Dante in a submarine battling an exosuited henchman. The soundtrack. A wobble board digitized, a, a clashing red blood cell tied. Was that a cross on the wall? An elder priest walks in and advises, I take a look at that again. It's no cross, more like a puckered anus blowing us a kiss. A roadblock, a crater, a heart attack in training, a stroke gestating in my mind's ear. I hear the guy whisper, blood clot. <laughs> it's a grainy picture, but it's black and white. I won't be going to that party tonight. Of course, the echocardiographer didn't really whisper blood clot. <laughs> that would have been incredibly uh, unprofessional, not to mention racially stereotypical <laughs> as well. Uh, but I, I, I did next see uh, a rather effete doctor who seemed to enjoy kind of comfortably patting my leg just a bit too much. Perhaps he was just trying to distract my attention away from the fact that he was telling me that, yes, I had this clot uh, inside my atrium which could break off and cause a heart attack or a stroke elsewhere in my body and that I'd have to be admitted. I thought, this is going to be the worst health news that I'm going to have for a very long time. That will teach me. Because he then went on to describe how my heart had also become dilated, stretched by just two centimetres, but your heart is only actually the size of a fist anyway. The fist and my centre was unclenching. At 2.45, Beck Hill, she's another person who did stand-up tragedy and I really want to really see her show. I thought she was really, really funny. We have some tragic comedy for you all now uh, from Beck Hill. For more Beck Hill, go to www.beckhillcomedian.com or Be Chill Comedian, which is, which is how my mind keeps reading it. Welcome Beck to the stage. You guys are really nice. It's a really nice crowd. Um, no, I mean that. I, I, like I, I had a nice gig last night as well. It was just a tight five. And they were really, really respectful audience. And they were so respectful, they gave me a minute's silence. <laughs> five times in a row um, and that is the tragedy I, and I think anyone who's either seen a lot of comedy or performed before you'll know this that the silence is the worst treatment you could get from an audience it's not it's not like heckling you can come back to heckling you can try and save yourself from it but silence that is just deadly it's really horrible and I did this set just to nothing and at the end of it I realized that I felt like Marty McFly in Back to the Future, and he does that solo at the end of Johnny Be Good, and he looks up and everyone's just staring at him. So I said to them, well, I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. <laughs> but your kids are gonna love it. Of course, being that sort of audience, they didn't get the reference. I'm glad that you guys did though, that makes it all the more better. Um, I mean, it's just a, it's just a short set tonight, but I thought I might. Um, I, well, seeing as we're in Soho, I might as well ask. Um, have any of you got a backup plan for what you would do if someone tried to mug you? No, kind of. No, kind of. Yeah. So, yeah. What's your backup? Well, I mean, I, I just would give them. Well, I, I would give them everything I've got, but I would also, uh, you know, I've got this sort of weird little fantasy where I'm going to tell them, you know, that I don't 
and very much money. And <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has that fantasy. Like no one who's yeah, ever yeah, got mugged has yeah. thought, oh, I think I'll just tell them how much I really want my money. That yeah. will stop them. Yeah. But I like the fact, um, for anyone on the podcast, uh, the audience member just said that they would uh, try to appeal to their moral senses. And <laughs> still give them the things, but try and make them feel really guilty about it. Um, I, I, I like that. I like the fact that no one else has a backup plan, and that's the best one. Um, that's, is anyone walking home tonight? Alone. <laughs> no, that's all right. I just need a new phone. Uh, I, um, the reason I ask, uh, well, I, one of my friends, her backup plan, she said she would pretend to faint, which I do think is worse than your plan. I think fainting is just making it one step easier for them, other than giving them the stuff. Just let them help themselves. Now, I can't see them. I can't see them looking at someone fainting on the ground and going. Oh, well, Harley seems fun anymore, does it? And they're just walking off. That's not how it works, is it? And my other friend, he had the best backup plan when someone tried to mug him, and he said, I didn't know it was your birthday. Happy birthday! <laughs> Damn it, it's not like... Shh. <laughs> Here, let me help you with those bags. And he starts picking up the bags that don't exist and walking along with them. Meanwhile, the mugger got so confused, he ran off. <laughs> I think that's the best way to come back to a mugging. Now, the worst way to come back to a mugging is how I came back to my mugging, which was that I pretended to be deaf. <laughs> now, hear me out. Some of you laughing, some of you thinking, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> The reason is because I stay up really late. I really like reruns. I really like those sorts of things. And I love it when the, when you get the sign interpreter. I think that's amazing because you learn some brilliant words that you would never learn otherwise. Like I was watching the Catherine Tate show. And this, that's giant cocksucker. <laughs> the thing I like about the most is anyone listening to the podcast is just going to have to guess what that sign means. <laughs> And I, it was really exciting. The problem is, though, I never learned enough to really get by in a conversation, and I never really learned it properly. So. My reaction was me standing in the middle of the street and doing this. <coughs> I'm a pony. <laughs> I can't you. Okay, now I understand. If deaf was a race of people, <laughs> that's a really racist accent, isn't it? Like, you know, that's not a good accent, it's not a good impression, it's not, you don't go to dinner parties and everyone's like, hey Beck, do your deaf impression, <laughs> and it's spot on, right, that's not, it's not acceptable, but I didn't have anything else to go on, so it just ended up with me standing in the street, I'll be honest with you, this perplexed them, and after a while, one turned to the other and went, Ray, do you think she's deaf? <laughs> <laughs> the other one went, now, still got her iPod on, eh? Because <laughs> that is the one accessory you should not wear while pretending to be deaf. Uh, so Carla did get me back. They stole my iPod. <laughs> For podcast listeners, I just signed Massive Cocksucker. Look it up on Google. Thank you very much, everyone. I've been Meg Hill. Woo! 
4.30 on Saturday I'm going to be off to Riddles Court which is where Spark London is happening. Get there an hour early to meet the other performers and to plan things out. It's the opening night I'm performing in so it'll be the first time they've done a show there. So that'll be exciting and interesting and I'm going to be insane and try to perform a true story which I'm, I've tried to practice and I've tried to, to work on. It's actually, it's been out in different form on, on getting better acquainted. If you listen to the GBA Extra called Out of the Window, that's along the same lines of what I'm doing. I'm mixing some elements in from a different episode of Getting Better Acquainted called The Partition, which is about me and my dad's relationship. So I'm mixing those two stories together, hopefully into a new and excellent thing. I am at Riddles Court, which is the venue. This is the first night we're doing it. And I'm going to be telling a story tonight, amongst other things. And I'm just about to go into Riddles Court and I'll be telling you my first reactions to it. It's on Lawn Mark. It's basically the Royal Miles stretches and then stops and then Lawn Market is the continuation of that road up to the castle for the tattoo. So lots of people are going to be going past this venue. So hopefully that will work out well for us. So I'm going into the, it's like a tunnel to go into Riddles Court and Then you go into a courtyard. We are sponsored by Grant's Whiskey. You get two free whiskey cocktails with your eight pound ticket. Hi, uh, I'm here, I'm like a member of Spark London and I'm here to like a little bit early, but we're meeting at half past four. Oh. Is there somewhere I should go? Sure, or? if you want to follow me. Thank you very much. Cheers. There's lots of Grant's whiskey around for people to taste and I'm going into the room where we're going to be performing it's nice nice red curtains and red velvet chairs thank you and here we are so the room has got a nice comfy chair to sit in and it's got some bookcases by the side of it and a bottle of whiskey the perfect place to tell some stories it's a really nice layout actually so i'm outside with julie who told a story tonight at the first spark london night in edinburgh how are you julie thank you very well very good and did you enjoy were... telling your story tonight yes and there were some very very nice people listening to us yeah absolutely and a great venue it was also. so beautifully and great, yeah, wonderful beautifully stories, laid out and of. beautiful stories yeah yes. you told a story tonight about family that was a theme wasn't it yes about my father and how he began to sell and how his story affected me 30 years later that's right how his advice came back to you in a moment when you were older and held my hand oh it's a beautiful story it really was and so and you're you're going to be telling stories for a few more nights aren't you here Every day for five days. Fantastic. Tomorrow about home. Yeah. And then desire. Yeah. And unexpected. Yeah. And courage. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure your stories on those will all be amazing because you are a brilliant storyteller. How did you feel that the night went generally? It began a little bit late, <laughs> but uh, and there were some noisy people outside. That's right. But yeah. we didn't hear inside. No, we were okay. So it was very. Yeah. yeah, it went very well, and I felt that it's a wonderful challenge to me to tell in five 
days five different stories in Edinburgh. Yeah, absolutely. With the fringe. It's exciting to be here. Yes. Absolutely. Well, wonderful. Well, I'll let you get on with your evening. And thank you so much. Thank you. Brilliant. I'm here with Ben, who told a story tonight at Spark London. Well, it's, it's weird to say Spark London when it's, we're in Edinburgh, but I guess we've come from London, haven't we? So. Yeah. So how did you feel it went tonight? I was actually surprisingly nervous, just because it's like a new audience, you know, and I'm so used to the Spark London yeah. audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. You know, I yeah. got some good feedback after. Your story went really well, I thought. It's really? a really nice story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. <sighs> I had, a, I had a bit where I like went out of order for a second. And if oh I, man, I did that. That I did. I did that massively with oh, really? a massive part of my story. I had to slot it into a completely different place. Did you hear my story? Yeah, I did. But I guess you just made it work. Yeah, and the same. You did the same. Like we know we messed up, but the yeah, audience yeah. don't know. I guess so. I just had to backtrack. I just had to like go back to the yeah previous bit. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, us were like looking at it. Yeah. Like. And they've all drunk a lot of Grant's cocktails as well, so... Yeah. <laughs> no, it was good, it was good. They were a, a warm audience, but... Uh, yeah. It's just like performing in a new place. Got it's some really good feedback from the audience. I wish I had my mic on me at that point. Yeah, I didn't yeah. get any of that, but... You should do that. Yeah, no, I wish I had, but I'm, I'm not going to be here to do it, so never mind. Well, this is for your podcast? Yeah, this is for my podcast, and maybe the Spark will use it, I don't know. I'm going to give it to Matt, and he can do what he likes with it. And your story tonight was uh, about doing beautiful things with the internet, you know what I mean? It's like, that's what it is to me. Like how, like we think like the internet kind of makes us all separate and brings us all, like, and doesn't, isn't to do with like love or beauty, but mm -hmm. you used it to buy some really, really lovely presents for your mum, you know, who's in the Caribbean and you're in London. And it kind of brings you closer together. It is amazing actually. Yeah, you, yeah, you think of it as like this kind of cold electronic digital thing but actually if you do have family members who are living overseas it is like just such an essential tool for like bringing us together you know yeah. and to be able to not to advertise Skype but like to have Skype and to have like video chatting like that it yeah. just makes that connection just so much closer yeah theme family always kind of brings very touching stories all of the stories were mm. really touching tonight it's, mm, definitely. it's a really nice vibe well thanks very much for doing this little bit of conversation with me well done for your story I wouldn't say it's my favorite because actually they were all really strong mm. but it was joint favorite with pretty much all of them <laughs> apart from mine yeah so well done so you, you're doing the show tomorrow no nah, this is the only show I'm doing oh, man. <laughs> oh, well. you're here for a while are you you're doing I'm here for the whole two weeks are you yeah. are you telling a story every night every other night every other night that's a good way to do it yeah yeah I guess so yeah I have like four stories and I think I get each of them twice yeah and then I'll have just like tons of time left over to go and see shows and it'd be really interesting the difference between the way you tell it in one night and the way you tell it another if it's the same story I know it's good actually this story that I told tonight I'm gonna to be telling on the very last night right so we'll see like if I'm if I've loosened up by then. You get to put right what you know went wrong yeah absolutely yeah that's, that's good <laughs> I'm like relieved about that no oh, that's so. excellent well, brilliant. Well, thanks very much. You're going for a walk now, so enjoy your walk around this beautiful city. It's a nice place to walk, although hard to walk sometimes because of the crowds. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm here with Andy, who told a story tonight for Spark London at the Edinburgh Festival. Hello. Hello. So, yeah, I mean, how did you feel that the night went today? Or the afternoon, really? Evening? Yes, evening. Uh, no, it went well. It wasn't completely full, and obviously, as always, the, the front row seats were empty, so it was a little bit daunting to begin with. But once you kind of reached out and connected with the people in the second row, 
and they warm to you and you tell a couple of jokes. Uh, yeah, I think everyone everyone seemed to leave with a smile on yeah, their face. Yeah, they had a good time. I wish I'd got them a microphone in time to get some of them talking about it. But now it's just, it's just us saying that... Yeah, you, you, you only got our word for yeah, it. But, but it was good. Yeah, they really, really enjoyed it and so will you. Uh, Absolutely. And you told us that the theme was family tonight. Yeah. And you told us, I, I'd never heard your story before. I really liked it. it. It was funny, but it was also touching, and it was it was it had everything. I guess. Well, yes, there was quite a lot of death, unfortunately. There but, was. Um, but it was all appropriately timed death, if you will, <laughs> and all tied in with a popular Channel Four daytime quiz show. Yeah, that's right. The fact that you had to go on national TV and uh, defeat a child is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, defeat, yeah. It was. It's not the best way to win, but you know you. Sometimes you just you gotta. Just, you just have to do it. Yeah, exactly. But you couldn't have let him win. That would have been patronising. I know that'd have been annoyed. so much worse. Even though, because all the audience are countdown, it's all people over sixty. The people who come into the TV studio. So they were all. You could feel these waves of love rolling off the crowd at him. Like they're all willing him to He's win. He's the underdog. I, well, yeah. Even though you oh, love that. Even though he was the first seed and I was the seventh seed. Yeah, he, he was still seen as the underdog. Yeah. So obviously I squashed him like a runt. But it was, I mean, but the thing is that, the, that your quiz show kind of experience was really tied in with your relationship with your nan and that was really touching. Yeah, yeah, it was my nan's who got me into word games and um, one of my nans I used to watch Countdown with when I was a teenager, so I, I really felt like if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have been there, so. Yeah, I mean, that was really beautiful about it. We had a really good turnout for a first night in Edinburgh. I was really impressed, Yeah, we actually. did, actually, given that we haven't done any publicity ourselves because we've only just got here and yeah. we've been lazy. Um, no, I was really surprised. We got a very good location right by the castle, so some passing trade, and uh, the, the I think the free drink thing worked well. It works really well. <laughs> I had a, I had had one of those cocktails. I've, well, I've only drank half of it, and I'm quite merry. Yeah, I might have to go for a nap. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's another reason to come along. So I mean, I had a weird experience really doing my story. I think I did it out of order from how I should have done it. So for me, it felt like. It was wrong, but the audience seemed to respond quite yeah, well. No, no, nobody seemed to notice. No, nobody heckled him anyway. Uh, yeah, nobody heckled me. That's true. <laughs> every day that every day that goes by without being heckled is a good day in my book. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I guess well you and well, <laughs> well me and um, yeah. Let's hope we keep this up. Absolutely. Well, I won't be here to do it, but you, oh, I'm sure you will. How yeah. long are you? How long are you staying here? I'm just here for the first week. For the first week. So when this goes out, I think you will... When's the last day? Friday the 10th. Uh, this might go out on the last day that you're performing. So okay. if it goes out on that day, go along and see Andy tell a story. All right. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Let's do it. Okay, well, here we are uh, back sort of... Uh, it's not exactly backstage, upstairs in our kind of upstairs. room. In the, in, the, in, the, in the spark room. We're all... Uh, Rad- Radcliffe is busy retweeting his uh, things, comments that I've made about him. Um, I'm, I'm yeah, here. I, I can work with ruggedly handsome. <laughs> Thank <laughs> well, you very much. Well, that was a, yeah, that was a quote from Peter. Yeah. Definitely. Rug- yeah, bizarrely han- no, bizarre- not bizarrely handsome. Bizarrely handsome and ruggedly handsome. <laughs> that's better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think maybe that's the right way. That's right. Yeah. That, that's spot on. So I'm here with Radcliffe Royds, who's co-hosting the Spark London nights at the Edinburgh Festival. I so am. And Joanna Yates, who is like the what did you say? You said the Bodicea. She is the, <laughs> the Bodicea of Spark oh, London. She so like, is. She was she was, a, she was like the English queen that destroyed the Romans. Oh, right. She was she, queen of the Iceni that held out against the Romans. She used to ride in a chariot with knives on her wheels, which is how I think you edit a lot of my stories. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way they should be edited. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like Radcliffe, Radcliffe, yeah, that's right. Radcliffe was complaining that because his stories are longer than how long Joanna likes them to be. 
They I've are, already had that, I've had that conversation about <laughs> apparently, like, length so, with you apparently before, size like, isn't everything everything length isn't everything Jay likes it as yeah short and short and short oh god sounds absolutely filthy well there we go so anyway, so how did you guys feel that the night went tonight? I feel it went really well. Yeah. Really good. The yeah. audience were all there, really engaged. I thought everyone who told their stories did a fantastic job. Oh, that's nice to hear. And it's good Very to sure. see so many people filling out the cards and telling us all their family bits of advice. Yeah, that was really nice. I really liked the winning bit of advice. Mm. Uh, it was too long to tweet. I had to take a picture because it was so long. But, it but was a lovely, really, really a lovely thought. Being the, Considering that the theme was on family, yeah. I thought we caught that or hit the winner of a Grant's True Tales t-shirt sponsored by Spark London um, <laughs> was a um, he was a lovely Dutchman whose father was obviously the kindest man on the planet really wise really touched it was very beautiful definitely yeah, yeah that was great and you told a story Joe, and it was actually I, I, I really thought I've seen you tell a few stories and I've heard, heard yeah. you on the podcast as well and I thought it was the best story I've ever heard you tell and you told it so well Thank you. Yeah, it was like a masterclass actually uh, as, you, as it should be for both I think both your, 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 your snivelling toadyism is absolutely well placed <laughs> but I do think that the one point that Joe has not yet uh, is I timed her story tonight How long oh was it too long and Interestingly, the only person to breach the 10 minute rule oh, was Bodicea herself. Are you joking? Seriously? Yeah, oh well, my goodness. You told a kind of, it was a kind of a couple of stories anyway. There were a few little bits before the main story did. You well, yeah, I mean, I did tell that originally in seven minutes, so it obviously grew a bit this evening. Did you really time me? Yeah. And so were those, those and scissors have, of editing? I have, um, I have a part of Spark London is sponsored by Brankling, the timekeeping, and uh, <laughs> I wound it up specially, and no. you went um, you went just shy of 11 minutes. What did you say about Joe on stage? Because you said, yeah, yeah you said... Uh, I mentioned, yeah, purely because, although you listening won't be able to see what I can see, is that... Joanna Yates is an incredibly winsome, attractive young lady. Wow! Take <laughs> out, that's take what out, said. take out the bo- the booty. No, 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 no. I'm thinking about no, the, the end thing. The end thing was that uh, she had mentioned rather touchingly that's in her story uh, as uh, a tribute to her father. Yes, uh, indeed, a, it was a, a very lovely uh, thing where she described him as a man of iron will. That's right. I even tweeted that. Yeah. And I thought, well, she's a very pretty girl. I wonder. If she will iron. Uh, Is that what you, you said? said? You wonder if she will iron. That's what she said. live. Well, no, I'm just... You know, I iron. The theme, iron. The theme was she on family. She didn't have to well, iron anyway. I don't iron. No, not when you're wearing a very classic vintage Balenciaga. Maybe, maybe she gets some. Maybe she gets. Maybe she gets some some winsome young men to. Yeah, I hire a man in to do my ironing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I rather imagine you do. I did that look like, on his face. Now I think you get the feeling he wants to be the man that gets called in to do the ironing. I rummaged around in the student den earlier and found um, a new iron and the skankiest old ironing board I've ever seen. It was longer than like a long board to go surfing on, and I ironed this dress. Well, well, very which good. is and which is in fact the answer to my question. I know, all I yes, did was change she my does shirt. Iron. That's all I did, and I didn't iron this shit. I iron. Clearly not. You're, you're, exactly. You're, you're you both dressed one, very glam. You, I felt a bit like you, I was underdressed. If you had bothered to find one that fitted. Um, well, thanks very much for, for uh, doing this little bit of recording, guys. And uh, Namaste. You're here all the way through. We're here all week. Yeah. And you're all here all the way through. Are you yep. doing stories? I'm doing one tomorrow. Wow. And um, maybe a little bit of hosting in between Radcliffe's hosting tones. 
Hosting, hosting. Fight him for that mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Once you give it him, you can't get it back. Yeah, That's the problem. <laughs> And I get a chance to tell a story tomorrow night. Yay. Yeah. And I think I think now that we've breached the ten minute watershed. Then, no, uh, you're not going to. Um... Then we're going to have a competition to wow. see how who can last longest. But I'll, I'll tell you what. One one thing I should say is you've had bad luck, haven't you? You've had bad luck. You're doing it all as an invalid, really. I am not invalid. <laughs> on paper, that would look like invalid. But I have been invalided, in that I have unfortunately, for those that understand these things compressed the two discs, L4 and L5, in my spine, twisted my lower back, and I'm pinching my sciatic nerve even as we speak. How did you do it? Housework. Jesus. Well, there you go. Don't. It wasn't ironing. No, I was clearing a coffee stain off a table. I leant down to swipe it and had a moment of, ooh. Mm. It was just like that. And in the last two weeks, it's got worse and worse. And eventually... Eventually, I admitted defeat, and right. I've been to the doctors, and I'm living on industrial quantities of muscle relaxants. Mm. God knows what else. Wow, well, there we go. But the show goes on. Yeah, well, absolutely. You'll notice. There is a theory in the business that you have to have three things go wrong to make a brilliant show. So you've got one. One's happened already, so you just have to look out for the other ones. I'm, and then... I'm sure I could find two more. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we, won't, we, won't, we won't broadcast. With Radcliffe around, I could just end up recording for the rest of the night. Which is, no, no, and stop, it, would all be, it would all be gold, but you know, still. And that's the thing. I'm going to be performing. I'm going to be trying to live tweet the event because I'm doing social media for Spark now. And I'm also going to be trying to record it. So I'm going to be trying to do three things. And, hope, and, and I just do not know if trying to do so many things is going to mean I'm doing all of them badly or if I manage to pull it off. We will see. It will be. So for me, it's a white knuckle ride. Because I think it's when I'm, I'm not very good at concentrating on more than one thing at the same time. And so I'm going to be getting up on stage to tell this story and I need to be focused. I need to be thinking about what I'm doing. And I fear that I'm going to be getting up on stage thinking about what I should be tweeting next or what I was tweeting last and thinking about is the thing recording and is it not. After that I'm going to be staying on to another of the Grant's True Tales events called The Liars Show which is true stories again but the twist on it is that there's I think four, four different true stories and one of them's a lie and the audience have to work out which one's a lie. So I'm on my way, I'm dodging lots of people in the tattoo, going to the tattoo, coming out of the tattoo moving all about because I'm trying to get to a show by casual violence that I've paid for the ticket for and I really want to see. I am also just coming from a brilliant show called The Liar Show, which is another show on with The Spark. It's a part of the Grant's True Tales season that's going on in Riddle's Court and it's really fucking brilliant and it was on at eight o'clock. So I've done some conversations with some people who ran it. I really wanted to get Andy, who's the guy who came up with The Liar Show, I was going to record a bit with him, but I just didn't have the time, and that's the way these things go. Kind of appropriately, one of the things we are asking people in the Spark show to do is to say a piece of advice from your family members. And uh, a piece of advice I've learned from my family is you get what you get and you don't get upset, which is what gets said to my nieces, my little nieces, my great nieces, by their parents. And I think it's a bloody good rule for podcasting and art in general. You get what you get, you don't get upset. While I've been down here recording, I, re I thought I was recording some things and uh, I failed to press record and I didn't manage to record other things and whatever. But just what you get is what you get. Don't get upset, use it, make it brilliant. And that's the thing, like when I told a true story earlier on, that was exactly what happened. 
I messed things up and I got upset, you know. <laughs> but I didn't show it, which is a good, good move. But I did get upset by it. And you know what? I got what I got. I shouldn't get upset. Doesn't rhyme, but because <laughs> I changed the tenses. But that's the, that's the fact of it. And that's the thing. Maybe that's that's what everyone should should get behind. Just generally in life, you know, you 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 do what you can. You make the most of what you got, and try and be happy with that. Because what's the point in being upset about it? Right now, I got to run. But uh, that's a <laughs> a second day of a brilliant fucking festival, even though I'm only here for a weekend. And uh, I've got just exchanged business cards with a guy that works for the moth. <laughs> yeah, so I'm with Peter Aguero. Have I got your surname yep, right? that's right. It's always a risky business surname, yeah. I find. And Peter, you are, well, part of the Liar Show, which I've just watched, which yes. I was very impressed by, I really you. enjoyed. Uh, but you're also kind of... You're the big wig for the for the grants kind of truth tales at this venue sort of. yeah they they uh, hired me as the artistic director I've been, I've been working with brand engagement and the company and grants for I guess three years now and when they wanted to do this they wanted to handle you know the venue part and they gave me license to handle the artistic part yeah and it's the you know it's a it's a blessed gig to have it's, it's not a good bad. one yeah yeah I'm really happy with the way it turned out I mean, it's only the first day, but yeah, it's been a great first day. I mean, <laughs> I think I, and, so. I, and I hadn't seen the live show before, and it was a great thing to to see. And everything fits together really well. The, like the cocktails go well with the true stories, yeah. like, in, in the best possible way. Yeah, yeah, it all like works. It warms up the audience. Everyone gets really interested yeah. and makes us laugh more, and it makes us care more as well. Like yeah. there's the both sides of that the alcohol thing gives you. Which <laughs> I'm not condoning necessarily drinking alcohol, but I am currently working on a show that's sponsored by Grant, so I guess I should be condoning. Going <laughs> Responsible, responsible, responsible. Use, very sure. good. Absolutely, that's a, that's a mark of a pro. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, did you enjoy the way the show went tonight? Yeah, I really did. You know, I would, you you prepare for you prepare for shows for months. You know, yeah. I, I produce a lot of shows in New mm -hmm. York, and you, you I've been doing it for ten years, but you always get nervous the day of the show because you don't know if people are going to show up. Yeah. And there are the first day as well, so I wasn't convinced necessarily yeah, they'd turn up. There's shows like, yeah. in town. There's there's thousands, literally thousands of shows, and you know to be able to get people to, to take some time out of their day and come to your show for strange, you know, strangers. Yeah. I was nervous about that, but you know, once we got in here and we had good turnout in, in both of the shows and and uh, for the tastings and everything, I'm over the moon. It's it's great. And your story out of the four stories, it was like the most like emotional, like yeah. heart, like it's about a dark thing. The first yeah. uh, story I told on uh, for Spark was yeah. about a, a very a, not a similar Christmas, mm. but a, a horrible Christmas story, yeah. like a bleak Christmas story. So I yeah. related to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, your story was really filled out with really complicated, like emotional yeah. landscape. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you, you might, do you tell that story a lot? Uh, I, I tell you the truth. I, that was the story I, I told three years ago at a show in New York, and the the folks that run this saw me, and then contacted me and asked me to come and work for them. Yeah. Um, I over the years I probably I probably told that story, and I you know maybe two dozen times at different shows. It's been on podcasts and it's been on you know on, on online and. and in different places, I probably have, to be honest with you, you know, like like 50 or 60 stories that I have that I 
put in and out of rotation yeah. and when I write new ones you know there might be at any given time a dozen stories that I have in a rotation uh, that I perform in the shows that I do but I really do the, the stories I like the most are the ones that are hard to, to tell I just I like those the most but the more you tell them does that make it like easier to tell them and so less powerful or what not necessarily I think I think that I think initially, when you tell the hard stories, it, it, it shines a light on a dark place. And just the, the, the first time you do it, it takes the control of that experience away. Like, that, that experience doesn't own you anymore. You own it. But I, I firmly believe, though, that like when you tell a story, you start to like relive those experiences. Like, you know, when, when I tell that story, I'm back to being 19, 20 years old again. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's like reliving it again. Like, I think if you, if you do it, I, I had a lot of good teachers over the years. I would worked in, in comedy and improv and acting and, and a bunch of things. And, yeah. and I was taught uh, a lot of stuff about, you know, I don't want to get too precious about it, but like emotional sense memory and, yeah, yeah. and uh, really, you know, being able to recall and, and, and touch on uh, memories and, and experiences so um, I think that's part of the part of the, the skill of it is, is and the craft of it is to is to reconnect with that past person that you no, were. I know it, I know you what know? you mean I mean I'm, I'm nowhere near as skilled as you but I, oh, I definitely find like like when I tell that Christmas story for example it, the trick is to remember the spine to the Christmas tree pressing yeah. into my back oh yeah you know, like that's the that's, those the, that's little, the kind of key those triggers yeah, those little yeah, triggers yeah. man like I, I think of the one for me right in the right in the beginning of the story that brings me back immediately is I picture walking back in, into the house in the foyer and that piano no longer being there like that empty space of the thing that had always been there yeah once I remember that it's really, it's about seeing those little indentations in the carpet, and that brings me right back. Right. You know? it's and that's a really, I mean, that's an evocative memory, but it's also a really good, like, indicator to the audience. It's like a good narrative device as well. That really yeah. is like, there was something, and now you haven't got that anymore. And exactly. that tells us everything. Almost, like, people haven't, who are listening to this haven't heard the story, but they'll get that something extreme, like, Financially, it happened. Yeah, in terms and of you, can, you can you can kind of yeah, without even knowing what the backstory is right off the bat, you talk about you know a list of things that aren't there anymore. Some even yeah. if they don't know the details, they know something's wrong. Yeah, that was the line that I thought was really really powerful about the, the saddest thing in the world is a, a room that doesn't have any furniture in it. Yeah, it's that's, that's really, really it's great so line. sad. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. But, but I tell you this though, it, it's my mother's heard me tell the story. Yeah. Uh, I once told it at a big show in New York. Like we, there was almost a thousand people there, and, and she was in the audience. And it was right before Christmas, God. and she came. It was at the actually at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and I was I was up there on the stage. My mother's there, and I'm telling the story, like washing our dirty laundry in front of all these strangers. Yeah. And she was there, just smiling and but crying because it took this horrible memory and made it something positive. And because if I didn't go through that, if we didn't have that terrible Christmas, yeah. then like I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't be do here yeah. today. You yeah, know? Well, so like to take something really negative and make it positive. Well, I think it was beautiful what you did with it. And, and also I, I'm, I'm sure that like your mom would, would not mind hearing that story because it's not a negative story about your mom. It's about how no. much you love her and about yeah. how much she loves you. She I didn't mean, do anything wrong, no. you know? Well, I mean, I imagine like the, the, the person who 
would be difficult to have in the audience is probably your father. Like not wanting yeah, to a, get it's too a deep. Good thing. It's but, a good thing he doesn't come to anything I do. Exactly. <laughs> I, I have a problem with that. Like I tell stories about my mother and they're quite complicated. Yeah. Uh, and I love her and that, but yeah. she, that I have issues with her in a yeah. way that, you know, you know, every person and, does. And, Relationships and so, are complicated, and so it does feel weird to put those that stuff into the public domain and, and know that she may hear them and yeah. just uh, like have to deal with that. But yeah. I guess the way I kind of figure it is, you just have to own, like if it happens to you, it's your story. True. You don't tell their stories, and but yeah, you get to you tell do it yours. through your perspective. Yeah, you know, I learned that early on. One of the first stories I ever told in a performance capacity was about a road trip I had with a girl. And in that story, I talked about some details about her personal life that were none of my business. Yeah. That, that, that I knew that we shared, but they weren't part of the story. They weren't part of my experience. Mm -hmm. It was her experience. And that was a big lesson because she got really mad at me. Yeah. And it was a big lesson about learning what is your story. I feel like, I feel like immediate family, parents, siblings, everything's fair game because you grew up in the same house, you yeah. know, and like good bad or indifferent like those those stories are, are yours to tell but then like girlfriends or boyfriends or even cousins or friends you have to be a little more careful about what is your experience and what is theirs and what's your business to share and what is yeah. theirs you know well I think that's true although I, I make the distinction with my family of like what happened to me when I was in the house with them mm -hmm. I can talk about so yeah. I can talk about them in that moment yeah. I can't talk about them after I left after yeah I can't talk about that what happened when I wasn't sense. there you know, that's my yeah. that's my rule alright well there's Rad being he, he seems to be trying to in, in, ingratiate himself into all of these he little pulled, conversations he pulled, his, he pulled a zipper down and I didn't to be honest I didn't see anything no well <laughs> that's, that's a good thing to get out there about him that'll make him pleased anyway thank you so much for Absolutely, doing this bro. I've got to rush off to a show but yeah, thank yeah. you so much Do it. Uh, yeah, that was cool. great I think I might put it up to this one that there was an astrophysicist or whatever Aaron Space Museum that was crazy uh, and good. I mean, you, you, you're going to get some interesting audience members. In. I know. When she asked that question, she was like, "But does that the two? I was like, "This woman knows something." Yeah, she knows something, and she yeah. can catch you out. If you, but luckily, the thing she was asking was uh, a true story. That yeah, one. yeah, yeah. I know. Can you imagine? Yeah, exactly. If, if it had been a lie, <laughs> that he'd have been he'd have been defeated. Yeah. So we have just come out of the liar show. Just a liar show. That's right. And at the Edinburgh Festival with Afira Eisenberg. Yes. And, you know, this is actually the second person I've spoken to in the week that's very, very exciting, like, <laughs> podcast legend to me that oh, I'm speaking to, because sweet. I first heard you on the, on the Moth podcast, yes, and that's what got me into that show, actually. Yeah, sad story, but thank you. Yeah, that's and nice. You're a true storyteller and comedian, and it sounds like you're hosting an NPR show, so I'll have to check that out. <laughs> yes, I know. It's a is lot that, right now, is right? That, is that got a lot a of audio. Version? Really good with audio. What's that? Has it got a podcast version, your NPR? It does, yeah. It's oh, on iTunes. What's the, what's the name? I it's called it. Ask Me Another. It's a trivia word game puzzle show with live contestants and celebrities. Brilliant. Now I've got it recorded. I don't have to use my memory anymore. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Well, and you were in The Liar Show. We're in the Liar Show. Yeah. It's our first night here, our, right. our opening night of the Grand's True Tales Edinburgh Festival. And yeah, I felt like the audience took it very seriously. Yeah. They took it very They did. And you know, you always find this because we've traveled with the show before that people don't know exactly what it is. And we're like, oh, just have a good time. And yeah, then one yeah. person's lying. But they sit there and listen to you. And you're like, no, no, no. 
this is all for fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but it's a, but it's a funny one because the true stories aren't necessarily fun. Some of them are quite right. They, well, they, that's the beauty and, of storytelling, that's, right? That's what I love about it. Yeah, that's what I levels. love about true stories. And so the, the, you can't treat the subject matter as lightly. That's and right. And so that kind of means that you are you are going to kind of treat it seriously, I think, because then you're like, well, if someone's made me feel something and they're lying, I want to find them out. Totally. I want to root that that's out of my beauty. life. You know? Let me tell you, there have been people in the past who have told lies about things that are really, you know, extraordinarily emotional, like you know, big moments in life, proposals, yeah. finding fathers and or mothers or brothers, like finding lost relatives, yeah. reconciliations. And when the audience finds out that that was a lie, they are angry. angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's when it's great, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, your, Absolutely. Like, that's how it works. Well, what, one of the things that you had in your in the video at the beginning of the show was A Million Little Pieces by James Frey. Yeah. I read that book. Me and too. I, and I was like, wow, this is the truth. This is amazing. Someone did it. I they, loved they it. Did it without, they did it without God. You know, so I was like, wow, it proves. Oh, that you can, you can get off drugs about yeah I know I know and then and then to find out that that was a lie that did that did really upset me, me you know? too I was and, really angry I mean I had some sympathy for him because I'm a writer as well and I, I writer's life for a living and but and still. you know that everyone takes liberties you yeah. know that's yeah, yeah, yeah. true of course they do right and you also know that there's pressure if you ever are writing professionally there is sometimes pressure on you to adjust things yeah. to heighten the reality to make it more, as Jonah Lair has just yeah. found out yeah right, tragically to make more now yeah, yeah. And you're like, well, who's to say? Who's to say how I am now re-remembering it isn't a big deal. But it, there is a difference between that, like exaggerating how big yeah. the fish is. Exaggeration, which I think happens in the Spark Show. It can't not happen. Any true story you tell is done through the filter of your own mind. And so it's an exaggeration or it's misremembered or but whatever. But the whole thing start to yeah. finish lie. That's And, you know, because of Million Little Pieces, that's sort of why the show started. Ah, Stuff like interesting. that. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and so, right. And so The Liar Show to make it like clear is four people tell a sto true story yeah. but one of them is not it's not a true story right, it's a one lie. person just has a chance to start and say and then what I think makes it really great is the audience gets to Cheering. interrogate you and that's when the show comes alive like, like I felt everyone was quite serious tonight but we come to the interrogation and a billion hands yeah. go up and you go oh great and yeah. everyone has listened to these stories so intently yeah. I mean the questions I thought were Highly intelligent. Yeah, they were. They were. Plus, they came from intelligent people. Yeah. A historian. A, uh, yeah, there were some. There were some really kind of uh, air and space top top bar uh, but, people. Which is great, and we get that a lot too, where people build on whatever their specialty is. Get a lot of like anyone that's worked as a police person before, uh, yeah. they'll always, if they know what you're talking, they'll be like, "What what street were you running down?" <laughs> you know, because they know everything about the streets. Mm -hmm. So people love like trying to show up their their smarts. Yeah, which is fun for. Us, yeah, sure. Because it's all just a gag. Yeah, yeah. Although your story tonight was really great. In fact, all of the true stories tonight were really great, like in different ways. Yeah, yours is really beautiful. You have a very romantic husband. I know. I lucked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean, he's not like that all the time. Well, no, no. That's, that's like that's like the, the, that's the thing that he gets to like say. But remember, exactly. <laughs> remember when exactly. I proposed. To you. Uh, but I won't give it away because it's a good story to that. On the liar show. Oh yeah, right. Bill is And good. maybe it was a lie. Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. How does it feel being interrogated though about a true story? Because it's you know it's 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 really fun sometimes when people really ask you very judgy questions yeah. about your life. Like, you, do you drive? You, you do feel <laughs> do you know on trial yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit, especially when they get something right. Like they're like, oh well, why didn't it work out with that guy? Yeah. You're like, listen, because yeah. things don't work oh, out God. sometimes. Okay. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, but when you're oh, a God. liar. Oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was just saying when you're a liar and people interrogate you. 
you have to be an actor. Yeah. Like you have to then, you don't know what's coming, so you're like, oh my, you're like, they'll be like, you know, right after um, Martin's story, he goes, quick, 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 what's a city in Kansas? You know, because all of a sudden, like, someone's going to ask me. Yeah, yeah, well, like, the distance and all that stuff, I was like, you know, that's hard questions to answer if you don't know the So when you write those lies, you also have to, like, I put a column on the page, and I try to answer little logistical questions. Oh, that's sensible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be ready for it, and you can easily be And that's what people hang on to. They're like, what airport did you fly into? You're like, uh, the big one? <laughs> but, that, the, but the beauty is, someone might not know the answer to that as well. Like, who's that's telling true. a true story, you just might not know who the, yeah, who the, what the, yeah, what there's, have no idea. there's loads of times in my life that I have no idea of the details, I just know the, the, yes. the cliff notes. And we have a little bit of a policy with the Liar Show that you really can't say, I don't remember, as an answer. Yeah. Because that's true, that is how we all walk around, I don't remember all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But in the in the course of the show, if you were to be truthful, like, oh, you know what, I just don't remember what time of day that was, it will ruin the show. Yeah, yeah. So you have to know that stuff. Yeah. Well, well thank you so much. Oh, that was fantastic. You. And I mean, I tell you, I, I, I'm really, like I say, made up to meet you. I, I heard that you were going to be here, and I was oh, super excited was about like it. so unbelievably flattering. You should listen to her, listen to her uh, moth story. Rad, Radcliffe Royd has joined us. I am sold on this lady. She's like, you wouldn't believe it. I, I bet you are, but she watch him. <laughs> all I know is that his number starts with zero I, seven. I just want to, all I'm going to say on the subject is I met her like five hours ago, and I'm up to 274. Great. <laughs> 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 That's right. Her story was about her boyfriend at the time making making paper cranes, and when he got to a thousand, he was going to be with the person of his who he's going to marry. So he's been building cranes for that. Well, I look forward to listening to your podcast. Yes, I ho- and I hope you enjoy it. And it's been fantastic to have you on. And at some point, if we ever meet again, it would be great. To, and it would be great to get you for a proper full hour and do a, like a Come proper thing. Yeah, yours collect. Yeah, the two of you. She's married, Brad. Didn't you not hear her story? I'm an equal opportunity. He's great. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> he's great. I've never met this guy, but he sounds lovely. <laughs> Fantastic, thank you very this much. This podcast is already far longer than I would have liked it to be. But there was just so much going on in Edinburgh that I couldn't make it any shorter. On the last day, I saw some theatre and it wasn't very good. Neither of the things I saw were very good. And when you're looking to cut stuff, reviews of bad things seem like the most obvious things to go so I pretty much have cut the last day so as the man said I'm on a train going back to London Wow, it has been a brilliant Edinburgh. Sure, I would have, I would love to have been there for longer. I wish I was there for the whole of the Spark Run. I wish I was able to be there with them. Um, good luck to them all. I'm really pleased to be a part of Spark and, and, the, and the True Tales Festival in general. I mean, some brilliant people on in the Liar Show. I wish I could get to know them for longer. I wish I was there for all for the full ten days. 
and I could see them. I've just finished the second conversation just before I got on the train. I finished my conversation with Superbard and now here I am on the train. Absolutely knackered. Got like a coffee and nicotine headache or maybe from lack, and lack of sleep. Pleasingly there are little children crying nearby which will be pleasant. And I'm gonna sit down and edit the conversation I just recorded which is the, probably the quickest turnaround I have ever done on the show because I want it to go out next Wednesday and then there'll be the this what you're listening to now which is what I'm going to be working on all week and then the week after that on the Wednesday there'll be Alison Thea Scott who I also recorded so that's so when this comes out there'll be one more episode of the Edinburgh season to come with Alison Thea Scott it's been a pleasure getting better acquainted with Edinburgh it's been a pleasure getting better acquainted with all of the people that I've met and you know if you want more Edinburgh if you're somehow you've you've got through all of this Edinburgh material and you're like I want more I want more well I did one last year I did a season about the Edinburgh and Camden festivals last year so have a listen back to them they're in a playlist have a listen to that and if you're listening to this show for the first time it's normally just a conversation show not a put together documentary like the one you've just heard so after this Edinburgh season we'll be having another Lucy on the show this time my old boss who will be talking about her experiences in the library service over 30 years it's not just about creative people and creative people have interesting lives too and everybody's just a ta- part of the big tapestry that is people and that's one of the things you get when you come to Edinburgh you know not everybody that's taking a show up here is an actor or a writer or a musician. There are people who take shows up here who are just everyday people who've got a story to tell and finally it's the time for them to tell it. You know, there's this thing about everybody's got a story in them. Well, sometimes that story is a performance and that's where they come up. And Spark London is all about that. All of the people who do Spark London, we're real people with stories to tell. And that's part of what Spark London's about. And that's part of what Edinburgh's about. That's definitely what this show is about so thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoy everything you've heard as much as i enjoyed making it thanks so much and at this point in the show i ask people to say goodbye to the audience so goodbye if you're coming to edinburgh have a great time if you're not coming to edinburgh i hope this hasn't been too boring for you but i'm sure there's interesting things to to get out of it and you can come in the future I I recommend it if I was going to ask myself what I would like to plug at this moment in time I would like to plug the Edinburgh Festival for all that is wrong with it the corporate elements all of that stuff it is still a fantastically vibrant mix of so many different strands of things that you just rarely can find anywhere else nowhere else I know of there probably are other festivals that feel this way but I don't know about them I love this town, I love this festival, I love the people that I've met, I love doing this show, goodbye, farewell, the train is moving, I'm going back to reality. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter, at GBA Podcast, you can find it on Facebook, it's getting better acquainted have a search on facebook and like it 
or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk You can also subscribe There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.